Don't you love that song? It doesn't just bring back a flood of memories for you. Hopefully most of those are good. There's something about that song. There's something about the idea of the little baby Jesus, of God Almighty himself kind of emptying himself of his glory and being born in this lowly place with, in a stable of all places with a bunch of animals around, you know, just, just kind of showing to all of us that, that none of us are too low for his grace, that nobody is out of his reach. And I love this picture of this song, Away in a Manger. There's a little phrase, though, that kind of rolls over and over in it, and it kind of carries a bit of a powerful punch for us today. And that phrase that you've probably picked up on, and you're probably used to hearing it, that phrase is, the little Lord Jesus. Everybody say little. little. Lord Jesus. The reason I'm having you repeat that is because they're way more interesting than I am. And your attention is totally drawn to them currently. So I know what you're really wondering is, oh, those guys, are, they're going to break all that stuff, aren't they? That's what you're really thinking while they're on their way out. Okay, 1130, don't leave a guy up here by himself, all right? Smile a little bit. Be happy, okay? Don't be so grouchy, 1130. Just kind of smile. You okay? Everybody all right? Okay, don't leave a guy up here alone. It's sad. It's sad up here by himself, all right? So it's okay. You're in church. Jesus loves you. Just kind of relax a little bit, okay? Yeah, thank you. You're not telling me that right now. Okay, so uh, anyway, so this idea, this idea, this little Lord Jesus, you kind of grew up hearing about it. You kind of grew up maybe thinking about it. But when you really apply it, it kind of it sticks it to you a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to actually, I, I, think, I think we're kind of going to go there today. So, so I just, you, know, you know what, help me out. Just say, uh, give it to me. Give it to uh, just say, just give it to me. Okay, well, you ask, so I'm going to go ahead and do it, all right? Uh, we're going to go there today and see what happens. Um, that phrase, the little Lord Jesus, I mean, don't you love it? It's adorable. I just think it's so fantastic. Oh, the little baby Jesus, he's just so wonderful and adorable. I just love him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, just, it's just nice. It's like warm and it's, it's meaningful. But if you think of it in only those terms, just focusing on the baby Jesus, I think it does us all a little bit of a disservice. Um, many of you know what it means when I say, Eight pound, six ounce, baby Jesus. The, the rest of you that don't know, the rest of you that don't know Ricky Bobby, you don't need to worry too much about it. You're okay, all right? You don't, you don't really need to know. But listen, there's so much more, everybody. There's so much more that Jesus intended, that God intended for you than the eight pound, six ounce, baby Jesus. So much more that he wanted for the world. Actually, I kind of think that many people today are living like he's the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. You know what I mean? Like when you look around, you see lots of people that they kind of think, well, yeah, he's nice. Um, he's kind of, he's, he's cute. He, he doesn't really do that much for me. Um, you know, I think he's probably around, but he's not really involved with me in my life. And I'm not really involved with him very much. So Today, rather than focusing on the size of the baby, today what I want you to do with me is I want you to focus in and zero in on that word, Lord. I want us today to talk just for a few minutes about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So it's pretty simple. The big idea for today is Jesus is Lord. That's really it. That's the big thing for today. Jesus is Lord. In fact, in the New Testament, as you read through it, you'll find that the New Testament will call him Lord over uh, at least 740 times. 
trying to emphasize the point to you and to me. In fact, in Luke's gospel, dealing with the birth of Jesus, as you read the story, he's calling him Lord at his birth. It's the famous Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Let's read it in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This was the news that people had been waiting for. For centuries, they've been waiting for it. The angel shows up and says, Listen, he's not just, he's not just the baby born. He is, in fact, the Lord. From the very beginning of the story, it's clearly established. Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He's Christ the Lord. So what does that mean to you and me? What does it mean to us that Jesus is the Lord? If he's Lord, what does that mean in our everyday lives? If Jesus is the Lord, what does that mean to my marriage? If Jesus is the Lord, what does that mean to my dating relationships? What does it mean when I swipe right? What does it mean when I'm trying to get ready for finals? What, what does it mean if Jesus is the Lord? That word Lord in the Greek, it's the word kurios. And it simply means supreme in authority, controller. It means he's the Lord. Now hear it already. Some of you are saying, okay, look, if Jesus wants to be the controller, he's going to have a little competition in me. Because I'm a bit of a, con- a control freak, all right? I, I like things the way I like it, and so I like to be in charge. Now, thankfully, I don't have that problem at all. Jesus has done a marvelous work in my life, and I don't have any of those issues at all, like zero. As long as everybody does exactly what I say, exactly the way that I say it, everything is going to be absolutely wonderful and just fine for all. You know what I'm saying? Actually, it's not true. I, I do. I, I want to be in control. I want to be in control of pretty much everything, if I'm honest. Like when I'm driving around in my car, um, I want to be in control of all the other people who don't know how to drive correctly. You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 I want to tell them what to do because they don't know how to do it. They don't have a clue. They don't know what they're doing. And don't you dare agree with me because you're them. All right. So, so no, no. <laughs> So <laughs> I am them. So, so nobody else knows how to do it. And don't even think about getting me in the passenger seat with somebody else. Because I'm, oh, is that what you're going to do? Oh, do you want to signal that way? I'm, I'm stomping on the brake. You know, I'm like, I'm wanting to drive. Why? I want to be in control. When I'm at home and I've got the TV remote, nobody knows how to flip through at the right speed. I'm the only one. I know exactly how it should go and how long each channel should stay. My family may yell at me and disagree, but they don't know what they're talking about. I know exactly how it's supposed to go. When I think about putting stuff in the dishwasher, you know what? When you put the forks in, it goes tines up. Tines go up. The water gets to the most. They don't get all crowded in there. Tines up. And the, the plates, you don't put plates in the top rack. You do not do that. They don't go. They don't go there. So glad we got to talk about this today. I'm feeling a lot better about myself already. Thank you for being here. Um, the reason that you're chuckling along is because you're the exact same way. You wake up in the morning and you want your day to go just so. And if it doesn't go that way, oh, Facebook's going to hear about it. You get up in the morning and you've got your list. Some of you are massive list makers and you write them out and, and you're kind of working your way. And if you don't get it all ticked off or, or if somebody messes with your list, oh, watch out. Don't be that person. Many of you are just like me, and you just want to be 
in control of everything. It happens with your kids too, man. You, you, you look at your kids and you want them to look just right and act just right. And if you're a parent, you know that is a long shot. In fact, nowhere is this more apparent than at Christmas time. You show up for Christmas time and you just, this is what you think. This is what you think is going to happen because you can control the scene. So you know that they're going to wake up on Christmas morning and they're going to have teeth brushed and their hair is going to be combed perfectly. They'll be wearing their Sunday best and they'll float down the stairs and come down and, and gather around and eat some cinnamon rolls and then you'll go to the living room by the tree and you'll read Luke chapter 2 together. Your son will have one single tear dripping down his face because he's being so impacted by the scriptures. And then you'll sing a song together and, and you'll, your pictures will be so insta-worthy and angels will sing, oh, and it'll be this beautiful, perfect scene. That's what you think because you think you can control it. But it never happens that way ever. Do you know what it actually looks like? It kind of looks, it looks like this actually. It looks like blackness and total, total darkness. It looks like absolute a black hole is how apparently your family looks. Um, hi. You're waving at me, but I'm assuming the screen is off. There we go. Okay. So we're going to have to move on, unfortunately. But if you would have pictured some of the most hilarious pictures of families you've ever seen in all of your life, you would have laughed so hard. I have several. I'll go through and describe them one by one. First photo, family, mom with her head buried, children all over the place, dad smiling. I'm not going to do it. I'm just kidding. It's not... I was kidding. <laughs> I promise it's not going to have the same effect. But you understand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Portable Church. This is when, when you have church in a movie theater, these are sometimes the things that you can expect. However, we do love to come in and set up this secular place and make it a sacred space where people can encounter Jesus even when things like this happen. It's fantastic. So you try to control it, and it doesn't happen because you want to be in control, but you never can be. It just doesn't work that way. Jesus is the one who's supreme in authority. He's the controller. Jesus is the one who's Lord. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us to make Jesus the Lord of our lives? Well, I don't want to get too technical with you, but actually, you don't make Jesus Lord of anything. He is God. He's already the Lord of all. So actually what we are talking about today and what I as your pastor am hoping to move you more toward is that you would simply surrender to his lordship in a greater degree than you maybe have already. That you would surrender to the one who's supreme in authority. That you'd surrender yourself to the only one who's really in control. You surrender to the Lord. See, actually I think that there are really only two basic different levels of surrender. The first is I would just call it the partially surrendered life. There's just pieces of you. This is one of your blanks, by the way. I'll help fill you in since that's not up. It's the partially surrendered life. There's pieces of you that you give. There are areas of your life that you surrender to him, but there are parts of you that you don't. I'm afraid that this is where the majority of American Christians live their lives. Just partially surrendered. And when you look over across at other, other portions of the world where they're experiencing hardship and suffering and even persecution, you will find deep levels of devotion and surrender to Jesus in those areas. But it's much harder in America where we've kind of got what we want and everything's pretty okay and I'm kind of getting by on my own. Like everything's kind of working out for me. It's much harder here. We would call these people here maybe casual Christians. 
or maybe cultural Christians is a definition that you perhaps have heard. There's a pastor named Craig Rochelle, and he actually wrote a book about this, and he called it, and he called these types of people, he called them the Christian atheists. Yeah, shout out for the Christian atheists. Okay, so he, <laughs> you might be missing the point today. Um, <laughs> he called them the Christian atheists. People who, who believe there's a God, but live every day like he doesn't actually exist. They're the people that you might say kind of worship the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. This is the partially surrendered life. So I think in American Christianity, the tragedy, one of the tragedies is, is that we've often called people to believe, but we forgot to tell them they need to obey. We ask people to come to Jesus under the guise that they would just simply believe in him, but not help them understand that you have to obey him. So we've said things like, we've used passive verbs like, hey, don't you want to receive Jesus? Wouldn't you like to accept Jesus into your heart? Like, accept Jesus, like he's some weird, insecure kid off in the corner that needs your acceptance. That's not who he is. He's the Lord of all. And we've used these words and said, just accept, just receive, instead of talking like Jesus. In fact, when you look through the scriptures, Jesus, he didn't ask people to accept him. What he did was he commanded people to follow him. He looked at people and he said, hey, follow me. And people said, Okay, and they followed him, and it changed their lives radically for the very best. And this is the call that he's giving to you today. Luke 9, 23, here it is. It says, he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. I like it in the message version, and it says, then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice, that's the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. Everybody doing okay still? You all right? I know it's a little hard to swallow, but stay with me. Look what he said in Luke chapter 6, in verse 46. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? He's saying, why, do you just, why are you just giving me lip service? Yeah, I love you, Lord, but you still don't do what I say. I don't want your lip service. I want your life service. I want you to give me all that you can. I don't want you just to walk. I want you to talk. I want you to I don't talk. I want you to walk. That's what I want from you. I want your whole life to be given over in surrender to me, doing whatever I ask you to do. But I think a lot of us, we end up denying his lordship by the way simply we live our lives. We may be able to talk the good game, but we, we end up denying him by the way we live. So when it comes to somebody hurting me and offending me, oh yeah, I know I'm supposed to forgive. I know that I'm supposed to release them and forgive. I should pray for them, but I'm not going to do that. There's no way I'm going to do that. I don't want to do that. You don't understand what they did to me. When it comes to money, I think we say, I know I, I, know I shouldn't go into massive amounts of debt and I know that I should give tithes and offerings. I should, I, I, sh- I, know I should participate in the legacy. I, I know all of that, but you don't understand, man. I mean, I, I work a lot, and I'm just kind of barely making it, and I just, you know, I, it's hard for me. And besides, I need a boat. I do kind of want a boat. Um, when, it, when it comes to my time, the way that I live, and I... I know I, should, I know I should give him all my time. I, I know I, I should show up on Sunday. I should be here, and I, and I will. I'm going I'm to give him time on Sunday when, 
when it's not football season, and I'm going to give him time on Sunday when, when uh, it's not like, you know, vacation. I'm really tired on that day. I'm not, I just, there's some, and I'm not, Friday and Saturday, well, that's when my friends want to get together, and so I've got to do that. I've got to be in community, and so I've got, I got to be able to do that, and I'm, then I'm going to get trashed, so I'm going to have to sleep on Sunday, so I'm going to do my best. Everybody still okay? <laughs> we end up rewriting scripture, and I think you could say this. You look at a verse like Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You could say this is the, the PSV. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can go ahead and make your own path straight. That sounds ridiculous, but in reality, that is the way that a lot of people live. You could call that the PSV, the partially surrendered version. If you're kind of new to church, let me be clear, that's not an actual version of the Bible. That's probably good to cl- just clarify. Wow, this Christianity thing is not so bad. (laughs) Here's the thing that I want you to remember today, everybody, please. Jesus is not a part-time Lord. And he's not looking for part-time followers. He's looking for people to be all in with him and give him your whole life. In fact, you just read it. He said, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. You've got to give up everything. You've got to release your life in order to truly find it. And that's what he's asking for. In other words, you give it away. You surrender to him. You surrender to his lordship. You give over to his authority. He gets to define what's right and what's wrong in your life. He's the one who's the controller. He's the one who's the lord of all. You don't pick and choose anything anymore. He's the one. In fact, what you do is say, God, what do you want me to do in any and every situation? And he speaks and helps you. Let me just ask you this simple question today. What is it that you haven't surrendered? What is it in your life? As you just open up your heart to him for a second, what is it that maybe you haven't surrendered? You know, most of us probably have a, a scene like this in our home, or if you, if you don't have one, you've seen one, a little nativity scene. And it's kind of a beautiful picture because it kind of shows us maybe what that night when Jesus was born, what it might have looked like. Um, and, you know, you kind of got everybody here. You've got little baby Jesus in the manger, and you've got Joseph, and you've got Mary, and kind of the parents hanging out. You've got some shepherds because the angels came first to the shepherds and announced it to the dirty, stinky shepherds. That Thank God for that. He's reaching out to all of us. And I love that. You've got the wise men and the three magi who we have the song, We Three Kings of Orient are. We have that. And, um, of course, there probably weren't three of them, and, and they probably showed up years later. But whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a nice picture anyway. And so, so you've got this scene, and it's, a, it's you know, set up right, and it's beautiful, and it just kind of works. But I think it's also a picture of our lives. I think it's a picture of how our lives actually work. I think it shows us how our lives should be centered. And what happens with our lives is when... When Jesus doesn't end up in the center as the Lord, as the controller, it doesn't work right. In fact, some of you are experiencing right now, you're, you're, you're living life, and it's hard, and it's struggle, and it seems like every day is a fight. Could it be maybe that Jesus just isn't in the right place? Because what happens when you don't have the right center place, the centerpiece? Something else fills the void. Something else comes and fills it up, and it's not meant to work that way, and so it always falls short. Well, Brent, what do you mean? Well, I don't know, maybe like, you know, you've got the shepherds here. So maybe for you, it's, it's work. Work kind of takes the center place. And so work kind of becomes the Lord. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I spend most of my time there. It's kind of connected to my identity. It's what I do in many cases. My biggest social circle is there. So, so that, that seems like it's right. But then things get difficult and things are challenging and, it, and work can't come through. Work can't provide for you the strength and the hope that you need. In fact, in some cases, work is what is providing the difficulties in your life. And so work falls short. Why? Because it's not meant to be that way. So the shepherds, they kind of symbolize work, the nine to five, the grind, the, the getting that bread. 
I, I can't pull that off. I, I can't pull it off. I'm not going to keep trying. Um, and say, why isn't it working? Well, he's not in the right place. Oh, he's still in the picture. He's right here. He's beside, but, but he's not the centerpiece. He's not the Lord. It doesn't work. It's not set up right. All right, so maybe it's not that for you. Maybe for you, it's, uh, it's fame. You know, so many people in our generation want to be famous, and YouTube is such a big deal, and Instagram. And so, so maybe the wise men, maybe they re- represent fame. Maybe they represent wealth. It's money. It's success. It's achievement. And so that's pretty great, but, but eventually it doesn't work out either. You know, you find that people, big, big name stars, they've risen in fame and money, and every one of them will say, it's not enough. I still feel empty. And so they thought they had it all, but realized they don't, and so it doesn't work. It's not meant to be the Lord. Money can't be the Lord. Money is fleeting. Who knows what's going to happen with it? So it doesn't work. It's just not set up right. Jesus, he's still in my picture, but my life isn't working right because I got the wrong thing in the center. Okay, well, so maybe that's not it. What about family? What about parents and kids and relationships? And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, it even sounds right. Yeah, family first. Let's put family first. It sounds appropriate. It sounds good. But when this becomes the centerpiece, when, when relationships become the Lord, they always fall short. And that's why so many people get hurt in relationships. Because they've decided, and they didn't even realize it, but relationships have become paramount to them. They have become Lord of their lives. They're the controller of their lives. And so people get really hurt because people were never meant to provide that position in your life. Some people don't get hurt because Jesus is the center and the relationships don't define me. Jesus does. So they don't have the same wounding that maybe you do because relationships became too big. It's not set up right. It doesn't work that way. It never was supposed to. All right, well, so Brent, I get it. Cute. That's nice. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I get all the illustrations, but, but maybe there's another one. What about the animals? There's a sheep right there. What about the animals? <laughs> Brent. Don't be silly. We do not have animals at the center of, I've seen your Instagram, yes you do. (laughs) Maybe the animal represents your hobbies. It's your interests. It's the things that take up so much of your time. You don't realize it, but you're devoting your life to golfing. You're devoting your life to being on the lake. You're devoting your life to these other things, these recreational things. Maybe you're devoting your life to football. Oh, come on, man. I'm just going to watch a game every now and then. No, I get it. But listen, what happens is when that thing becomes too big in your life, you're putting your hands, you're putting your life in the control of a 19-year-old. That's bad advice. And so you're up or you're down based on who won or who lost, and it's not stable at all because interests were never meant to be the centerpiece, to be the Lord. It's not set up right. It doesn't work. Your life's not working out right because he's not in the right spot. As your pastor, it's my job to sometimes come alongside you and help you remember what things are for. Hey, this is where family goes. Hey, this is where work should go. Hey, this is where money should be in our lives. And Jesus Christ himself, the Lord of all, should be right at the center. Right in the centerpiece as the Lord of all. And when you set it up right, look at this. It's the picture that you kind of grew up with, isn't it? Look, it looks right. But when you set it up like this, it doesn't just look right. It works right. It works right. When Jesus is in his rightful place, your life works right. And honestly, I don't have to convince you of this. Because if you've been living with him somewhere else, you already know it's not working. 
You already know that it's not working out right. Could it be that today all you need to do is to put him back in his rightful place by surrendering to his lordship in your life and moving anything else off center? What I'm trying to get us to today, everybody, is to push into that second way of surrender, which we would simply call, I think, the fully surrendered life. You can surrender partially or you can surrender fully. Living life fully surrendered. I'm talking about going all in on this thing. Not just a Sunday morning kind of Jesus follower. Not just when it's convenient for me. I'm talking about full on, no holding back. My life doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to him fully kind of a commitment. When I think about this kind of a commitment and surrendering to Jesus in this way, I always think about my wedding ring. I think about this ring right here. I've had this ring on for just about 18 years now. I don't like to take it off. I never, ever take it off. I want people to know that I'm a married man and I love my wife so much. I'm also about 20 pounds heavier than when I get married, so it, we just won't come off, honestly. So it's, it's just the way it is. <laughs> but, uh, but when I look at this ring, I think about that day. And I think about the fact that before that day came, I went and I picked up a ring for my wife. I picked up a ring, and it was the nicest ring that a 24-year-old kid could buy. And I picked it out, and I purchased it. And then I asked her, will you be mine? Will you marry me? Now, when I purchased that ring, how much did it cost me? Well, I was 24 and I was in college. Frankly, it cost me a lot. <laughs> it cost me more than I had, honestly. <laughs> but, but when I gave it to her, how much did it cost her? Well, actually, it didn't cost her anything. It was my free gift to her. I just, I just handed it over to her. I gave it to her freely. But, but then when she received it, when she said yes, and she took that ring, and she committed her life to me, how much did it cost her? Well, it cost her everything. It cost her everything, and, and she became mine, and I became hers, and we belong to the Lord, and we fully surrender. Now, I hear some of you saying, uh, excuse me, Brent, uh, perhaps you don't know this, but it's, it's 2018, bro. So this talk of she belongs to you, and you belong to her, and we, we don't, no, 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 I do. I belong to her, and she belongs to me, and we belong to the Lord together because we surrendered our lives to one another. Very much in the same way, this is what Jesus is giving you. See, Jesus Christ himself, he came. God himself, wrapped in flesh. He came to the earth. He gave his life freely and willingly. He was born in a manger. He lived. He taught. He did miracles. He did incredible things on the earth. And then he gave his life on a cross. And he purchased the gift of salvation for you, and that's what it is. It's a free gift. And it's available for everybody. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you're doing or thinking right now. It's a free gift that's available to you, and he's offering it to everyone for all time. It's just free. But then when you receive it, when you say yes to it, and you receive that free gift, what does it cost you? When it's offered to you, it doesn't cost you anything. But if you want to receive the gift of salvation, it costs you everything. Because the goal is, he surrendered his life for you. And the only right response is that you would surrender your life back to him. When you say yes to him, you no longer own the rights to your own life. You, you belong to him. You surrender to his lordship. You're no longer your own. You're no longer the controller. He is. And I think that's why it's concerning when, when we have this casual approach to Jesus. When we serve him like he's the 
eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. That's concerning. When we say, oh, Jesus, he's my homeboy. I, I like that idea. I think it's cool. I think he's a friend that's closer than a brother. I think that's awesome. But, but, it, but it misses out on who he really is. He's the controller. He's not just the little Lord Jesus, the baby in a manger. He's not just the Lord Jesus on a cross dying for our sins. He is the soon returning, reigning, conquering, supreme authority. He's coming back with a sword in his hand, his name tattooed on his thigh. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he means business, everybody. And he loves you desperately. And he wants the very, very best for your life. Which is why you can go back to that verse that we read in the PSV. And you can read it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's the real verse, by the way. That word that we just read, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That word in the Hebrew, it's yada. And what it means is it's the same word that's also translated to know. Kind of like you would talk about how Adam intimately knew Eve. It's that idea of intimately knowing somebody. I think the bottom line is the reason we don't surrender some of our lives and the areas of our lives to him is because we just don't know him in that area of our lives. You could say, trust the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Because to know him is to love him. To know him is to trust him. To know him is to surrender to him. Because you understand he's the ever-present, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God. And he loves you. And he's done everything that he can just to reach you. He's not just some far, far away, powerful God. He's a relational God who came as Emmanuel, God with us. Just because he wanted to reveal himself to you. Just because he, he wanted you to see Jesus. That's why he sent him. So you could see him, so you could know him, so you could relate to him, so you could actually have a relationship with him. Somebody asked Jesus actually in Luke 10, verse 27, Jesus What's the most important command? And he said, many of you know it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. When he's asked what the greatest command is, he says, well, it's a relational command. It's relational, and it's a whole, fully committed life. It's not partial. It's not, I feel good, or I feel bad. I want to, I don't want to. It's none of those things. It's simply an all-in love relationship where I know him, and he knows me, and we love each other, and he has my best interest in heart. Listen, I just don't want you to be under any illusions today because he's offering you this incredible life of full surrender. And I don't want you to be under any illusion that, well, I, I go to church, and so it, we're good. Or because I, I said a prayer once, I'm good. Or, I, yeah, the pastor told me to check a box and tell me I made a decision, and, and so I did that, so I'm good. I got baptized once a long time ago, and so I'm just good. No, when we're good is when we figure out how much he loves us, and we're willing to accept this eternal gift of salvation, and we surrender our lives back to him. Listen, there's just so much more to the Christian faith than some of us realize. The gift of eternal life, it may not cost you anything, but our only reasonable response is to give him everything. Why don't you guys come on up? And you guys here, would you just close your eyes for a moment, please? Just all across the room, just close your eyes. I don't really do that for any reason other than I just want you to be able to just kind of drown out the noise and distraction. Uh, I just want you to be able to focus for a second.
And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to prayerfully take a moment right now and be really open to what God might say to you or might show you in some way and just ask this question. Just ask this one simple question. Lord, what have I not surrendered to you? It's right where you are, just you and him. I'm not even going to ask you to respond to me in any way. I just, just you and him. Lord, where, where have I not surrendered to you? There might be a relationship that's coming up in your mind. There might be a habit that you have that's coming up. There may be a wound, uh, some unforgiveness that you're still holding on to. Maybe something from your past. Maybe something that you're dealing with right now that's really hard. God, would you speak to us today? We want to surrender everything to you. And now as things begin to come to your mind, if you're ready, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to name it. Just give it a name. What is it? Is it unforgiveness? Is it hurt? Is it a habit? What it? Just name it and confess it. Jesus, I confess this thing to you and I submit to your lordship in every area of my life. Just do it right now, right in your seat. For some of you, it may be that you've never made a decision like this at all. You're like partially surrendered. I don't even know much about this until I showed up here today. That's great. I'm so glad that you're here. But maybe your decision today is to believe that God is real and he loves you and he came to earth in the form of his own son and he lived and he died and he rose again three days later and he did it just to pay the penalty for your sins. Well, why is that? Well, because the scripture says that all of us, we fall short. We, we, all of us have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. I do, you do, we all do. We don't measure up on our own. So Jesus said, I'll help you measure up. I'll help you connect to God. Scripture also says that the wages of sin is death. So what you earn for our sin and, 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 and not surrendering our lives to God fully... What we earn is death. <laughs> That's what sin brings, death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus came and said, if the wages of sin is death, I'll pay it. I'll give my life so you don't have to and you can have eternal life with me. It's an amazing thing and it's free. And when you receive it, you get to surrender. So all across this room, I'm just gonna give you the opportunity I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to ask you to respond. I'm not going to ask you to do anything except pray this prayer with me. And if that's you, just pray this simple prayer. I'm just going to help you with some of the words. You'd pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm sorry that I've missed the mark. I'm sorry for my sin. Would you please forgive me? I choose to believe in you today. And the best way I know how, I'm surrendering every area of my life to you. Now please come and help me to live the life that you want me to live. Thank you that you love me enough to rescue me. I do receive it in Jesus' name.